please do open your Bibles there to Ephesians chapter 6. Our title for today is The Fight of Our Lives. And I guess as we see lots of war, uh, somewhat close to home, we need to be reminded ourselves here in the UK, we also are part of a great battle that God has called us to if we're God's people. I'm going to pray for us as we come to God's Word now. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that if we are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ today, we can sing with true confidence that it is well with our soul. Father, we pray that we would be renewed in our confidence today in you and your mighty power. We pray, please, very much for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine as they meet together today, and that they would know the Spirit's power among them, that they would be confident ultimately in you. And whatever happens before them, in the coming days, we thank you that they can rest in you, their great rock. Uh, we pray they have no comfort today. And we pray as we meet together as well this morning that you would please speak to us by your Spirit's power. We pray you would impress your word on our hearts. We pray you would change us and teach us and humble us and help us to, to fight in this great battle you called us to be in. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we turn on our TVs and we see a war unfolding close to home, it's easy to, to look at things at, um, as if they're detached from us, the whole concept of, of war and battling and fighting. And in many ways they are, aren't they, physically, in terms of that particular war and that particular battle. But think about these realities for a moment as we begin. Many of us have grown up only ever knowing peacetime, yet God says we're at war. We follow Jesus, the Prince of Peace, yet he calls us to fight. And the battle that rages is not just for a time, no, we're told it's the fight of our lives. In Ephesians 6, we hit these realities head on if we're Christian people here. You see in this passage, images of the battlefields. There's talk of strength and struggle, of standing firm and standing your ground, there's talk of armour and power and shields and swords. I wonder who are we fighting against in this war? It's so important to see we're not fighting a war against people. In this particular war, Ephesians 6 speaks about. Your great enemy in this war, Paul says, is not your old friend who maybe is out getting drunk on a Friday night. It's not the, the politician pushing the anti-God agenda. It's not a devout Muslim praying in a mosque somewhere in in Cardiff or overseas. No, chapter 6, verse 12 says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The book of Ephesians shows us the non-believer deserves our compassion, not our contempt. The person who's yet to believe in Jesus needs to be delivered, not defeated. So we need to get rid of all kinds of thoughts of crusades and conquests and replace them with compassion and kindness. Well, if people are not our great enemy in this war, well, well who is? Chapter 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. To put it simply, our enemy is the devil mentioned there at the end of verse 11, the devil and the forces of evil, 
that do his bidding. We, we read a lot about him here in, in the book of Ephesians. You'll be studying it, as Andrew said, together. We're told in chapter 2, verse 2, he's the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's at work in those who don't follow Jesus. He's the one who's desperate to come among God's people to devour them, seeking a foothold between them. Chapter 4, verse 27. Friends, if we're Christian people, we are in a war and the enemy is our devil. And so the question before us this morning is this, how should we fight in this battle? Three things for us from Ephesians 6 this morning. First, we're to fight with confidence. We're to fight with confidence. Many of our fears in life are totally irrational, aren't they? One of my children is scared of the dark because there might be monsters up there. And so if he needs to go upstairs and there's no one else there, he'll persuade his five-year-old little brother to go with him. Because, well, perhaps a five-year-old could take down the monster if the monster was actually there. Many of our fears are totally irrational. The enemy imagined... But in other situations, of course, the fear is understandable because the enemy is powerful. Among the great stories of courage coming out of Ukraine at the moment, of course, many people will be fearful. And it's understandable when a superpower is, is at your door. You scroll back a few months to the situation many of you might have followed in Myanmar, where UFM has, UFM has some workers serving. They were sending reports through at the time about what was happening on the ground in the midst of the military coup. They were harrowing reports to read, much more harrowing, no doubt, to live through. When you're armed with a hard hat from a DIY store and your adversary is firing live ammunition at you, of course it would be easy to feel outnumbered and outmaneuvered and outgunned. In some situations, fear is an understandable response when faced with a powerful enemy. In Ephesians 6, we have a reminder that our adversary is real and he is powerful and he's at work and he loves to destroy and to devour. I wonder, friends, how do you feel about that? What are your chances when you step into this battle? What are the odds that you'll make it through? Remember, our war is against the devil. Verse 12, it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's our enemy. And I think of yourselves here in your local church in Mystech. And think of the mission partners you support around the world. We're all pretty ordinary, aren't we? You might ask yourself, is this going to be a fair fight? Is this going to be a battle or will it be a massacre? Maybe you're tempted to run a mile in the face of an enemy like this. Well, let's dive into Ephesians a bit more now and remind ourselves why we can be confident in this battle, even when the enemy is so powerful. First thing to say here is, look, the battle that we, t we read of here in Ephesians 6, the battle is not like a scene from Gladiator. You know how it was in Roman times. The gladiator would be sent into the amphitheatre, then the enemies would be released. The battle would ensue, the blood would be spilt. And the ruler, well, where was the ruler? The ruler was sitting in the stands, wasn't he? Taking it all in. That is not the kind of battle that God calls us to. God doesn't say, well, there's your enemy, 
here's your armour, as we'll come to in a moment. So off you go, I'll be cheering you on. But God fights with us. And he fights for us. The imagery we'll come to in a moment about the armour of God, Paul doesn't pluck that imagery out of thin air. No, it comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. It's the imagery used of God's Messiah coming as a warrior. Listen to this from Isaiah 59, verses 15 to 17. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Friends, as Jesus came to this earth and lived the life we could never live, and as he died the death that we deserved, so the victory over the devil was won. Paul writes in Colossians 3.15 that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, friends, Jesus was fighting this war long before we came along. Yes, the battle still rages now, but the victory is already won. And there's no doubt about who holds the upper hand here in this battle. Flick back with me in Ephesians to chapter 1, verses 18 to 22. And as you listen to these words, ask yourself this question, who is the most powerful here? Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Can we see Jesus rules over Satan? He reigns over Satan. He looks down, literally, on Satan. His victory is full and his victory is final. Chapter 6, verse 10, Therefore be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Friends, we fight this battle with confidence. The Lord has all power. And do you know what's incredible? It's not that we simply fight alongside a powerful God like we know we're going to be on the winning team because we've got the best player and we're on his side. Now this letter starts with the extraordinary reminder that if we have turned from our sin and put our trust in the Lord Jesus, not only is our sin forgiven because of Jesus' sacrifice in our place, we are now found in Christ Jesus. The victory, therefore, that is his is also ours. And just as Christ rules over Satan there, chapter 1, verse 21, then so do we, because we're found in him. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead, Ephesians 1, verse 20, is the same power 
that is at work in us. So friends, we have nothing to fear in this war. So friends, we are free to give ourselves to this battle. Let's be confident in the Lord and in His mighty power as we go on serving the Lord acutely aware of our weaknesses. Maybe wondering how things are going to pan out post-pandemic. Facing struggles at times just to keep going in the Christian life. Friends, we can fight with confidence because the power comes from Him, not from ourselves. So we're to fight with confidence. Second, we're to fight this battle never being complacent. Never being complacent. As we followed the unfolding events in Ukraine over the last few days, that there's been a sense people have known something of where and when the Russian attacks might come from. But of course they can never be totally sure. In a sense, the Ukrainians have simply had to wait and see where the enemy would strike. Yet here in Ephesians, we see there's no great surprise at all about from where the devil will attack us. No surprise at all. One of the great themes of this letter, as I'm sure you're beginning to see, is that God is building a new humanity. It's clear for us in chapters, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. For he, that is Jesus Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. The result we read on, chapter 3, verse 10, is a church, a people, who are going to make known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms the manifold wisdom of God. If you like, when when Satan sees God's people living in unity and living distinctively, he's getting a glimpse of what's to come. Someone has put it like this. It's as if Satan, defeated by the blood of Jesus on the cross, looks at the church and in seeing a picture of the future, realizes his days are numbered. And of course the devil hates that. And so he rails against that. And chapter 6, verse 11, as he schemes against God's people, yourselves and myself included, this is exactly where he will attack us. He'll attack our unity. That is how we love. And he'll attack our new humanity. That is how we live. Let's unpack both of those briefly. First we said that he'll attack our unity. That is how we love one another. In Ephesians 4 verses 3 to 6, Paul urges us to make every effort to maintain the unity that is ours in Christ Jesus. He repeats the same theme. Chapter 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you. Friends, the devil hates our expressions of unity. They speak to the world about the transforming power of the gospel. So he will do everything to scheme and to plot to tear us apart from each other. 
So friends, be on your guard. He'd love to divide your church. He would be delighted. It happens time and time again, doesn't it? Just imagine how it could happen here or in our church in Marlborough. Someone gets upset when their particular preference in the post-COVID unlocking isn't followed and well, resentment's allowed to fester. Or a personality clash isn't handled with gentleness and respect. And instead of forgiveness and reconciliation, there's bitterness and upset. Friends, I tell you what, the devil is good at this, isn't he? You've seen it all before, most of you. The devil is really good at this. I've seen a Bible college faculty torn in two over a theological difference. A leadership team in an apparently thriving church unable to get over personal differences. Brothers and sisters from the very same background tearing themselves apart on social media. And missionaries who've left everything to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and literally gone to the ends of the earth in mission teams that have totally imploded. Relationships destroyed. Time and attention distracted. Witness to the lost. Sidelined. Friends, we've got to stand firm. Chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the, the devil will go for how we love. That is all about our unity. And second line of attack, he'll go for how we live. That is our new humanity. The Christian Paul says being found in Christ Jesus is to live like Jesus. We're to put off the old self and put on the new self. Chapter 4, verse 24, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, this battle isn't just happening out there somewhere. And it's not just happening at the set-piece events in the Christian life, on a, on a camp or a mission or at the Sunday service or the kids' club on one of the weeknights. No, the battle rages for all of us in here, doesn't it? That's the reality. The battle rages in our hearts. And the devil longs to bring us down. And he's full of schemes to do so. He longs to put the old self back on. An old self, chapter 4 tells us, marked by impurity and greed, by anger and falsehood, by immorality and foolish talk. Anything the devil can do to hinder the outworking of our new humanity, he will do. So friends, this is a battle that plays out in our bedrooms and our boardrooms as much as in our Bible studies. It's a fight that unfolds on our smartphones and in our staff rooms as much as on our special times of mission. So friends, let's be alert. This is how the devil will attack. He'll go for how we love, our unity. Only at this time, there's no way back now. We remember, the Lord, we remember the Lord Jesus, the great warrior, Messiah, who Isaiah 57 verse 17 tells us, put on righteousness as his breastplate. And we rejoice that we who are now in Christ have been rowed with his righteousness. And there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we confess our sin in those moments, knowing he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. That our standing with God is not dependent on what we have done, but on what Christ has achieved. 
And we stand firm, verse 16, by taking up the shield of faith. What a powerful piece of armour it is. At the end of verse 16, we're told we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. All of them. And there are plenty of them. We've mentioned a few already. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book on spiritual warfare, he talks about those arrows being thoughts, imaginations, desires, passions, lusts, temptations, fiery trials. How do we stand firm in the face of such an assault? Through living by faith and not by sight. Some of those arrows that Satan fires, they, they won't look very threatening when they're coming our way. In fact, if we're honest, they'll often look very appealing. Remember, the devil's a schemer. He's a deceiver. Yet with eyes of faith, we'll see through his plans. We'll see that living for him is more valuable than anything the devil might offer. And that what the devil can offer is nothing compared to every spiritual blessing we already have in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 3. And then verse 17, we'll stand firm by taking the helmet of salvation. Here's another image from that passage in Isaiah 59 and verse 17. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmets of salvation on his head. As Jesus, the great warrior Messiah, went to Calvary, as his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross, as he took the punishment on himself that our sin deserved. So he won for us a great salvation. And the picture here in Isaiah points to this Jesus, the conquering, victorious king, crowned with this helmet of salvation. Friends, Satan can tempt us, and he can wound us, and he can cause us to stumble, but for those who are truly trusting in the Lord Jesus, he can never take our salvation from us. Jesus' victory is our victory and we fight on wearing His helmet of salvation. So in this fight of our lives, friends, we're to fight with confidence. We're to fight never being complacent. Thirdly, and more briefly, we fight on the front foot. We fight on the front foot of course, in any war, defence is essential. We've been seeing here in Ephesians 6 some of the defensive armour that God gives us. We're to put it on so we can stand firm against the devil's schemes. Yet there's more armour here, isn't there, in Ephesians 6. Armour not just to help us to defend, but to enable us to attack. And we're to put on the full armour of God, Paul writes. This is a battle, Paul says, that needs to be taken to the devil. We're to fight on the front foot. Verse 15, with feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You think of Isaiah 52, verse 7, quoted by Paul in Romans 10, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. Friends, we take the fight to the devil by going with the Gospel, by holding out this word of truth close to home, by offering this word of life to the ends of the earth. 
And you know, going with the gospel not only, not only gives an opportunity for people to hear the message of salvation and respond in faith. No, there's more going on here, isn't there? Ephesians 3, verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Can we see our proclaiming of the gospel of grace as God's people? It shows the whole universe and everyone in it that the Lord reigns and that His purposes have been accomplished in Christ Jesus. So we fight on the front foot by sharing the gospel. When you're sharing the gospel or the good news with, it, with a child at the church kids club, or you're opening your Bible with a colleague or a neighbour, the battle in that moment will be raging in the heavenly realms and the devil is being defeated. So we fight on the front foot by going with the gospel. What else? Verse 17 of chapter 6, we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, the Christian message, of course, is not just a formula or a creed that we sign up to and therefore dot, dot, dot happens. No, the Word of God applied by the Spirit of God is powerful. It is God's power for salvation for all who believe. There is power here, Ephesians tells us, in this Word to bring people from death to life. Ephesians 2 verse 5. There's power here in this Word to build the church. Ephesians 4 verse 15. We've got to be honest, at times it doesn't feel like it, does it? In the context of a culture that thinks this, God's Word is meaningless, even dangerous. And in the face of an enemy who puts doubts in our minds, maybe sometimes we feel like those protesters in Myanmar with the DIY shop hard hats on. Or the 80-year-old pensioners waving a gun at a superpowers trained army in Ukraine. Friends, don't believe it for a moment. The power of God's Word taught in the power of the Spirit covered verse 18 of chapter 6 in prayer of all kinds, in all occasions. This is what changes lives. This is how we take the battle to the devil. It's foolishness in the eyes of the world, but friends, it is powerful in God's plans for the universe. And Paul really believes it, doesn't he? Look at chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Friends, we've got every reason to be praying the same prayer here for you guys in my stake, for us down the road in Marlborough, for our mission partners all around the world, that as this battle rages, we might fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel. So friends, yes, we're in a battle. Yes, the enemy is powerful. Yes, the stakes are high. But here is a battle we can fight with confidence. If we were to fight never being complacent, and we were to put on the full armour of God, fighting on the front foot. But let's pray that God might give us 
the grace to put this armour on every day and to keep being aware of the devil's schemes and to live out those words there in verse 13. Therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words of reality, these words of reminder at the end of the letter to the church in Ephesus. Thank you that we're fighting a battle, we're waging a war. We recognise the enemy is powerful, but we thank you that ultimate victory is already won because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Help us, Lord, not to fall into the danger of just drifting through life as if we're living in peacetime. But help us please daily to put on the full armour of God so we'll be defending ourselves against the devil's schemes and also that we'll be taking the battle to the devil, knowing that, Lord, the battle rages in the heavenly realms. And as your word is shared and as the gospel is proclaimed, that battle is being won. Father, we pray again for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine as they face a physical, literal fight today. We pray, please, that they would know also the great confidence that comes from knowing the ultimate victory and the ultimate battle has already been won in the Lord Jesus and that in a very real sense without being without being naive they have nothing to fear and there's no condemnation for those who believe in the Lord Jesus and we pray in his name amen I'm going to sing to um, sing